Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 375, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. So much to get into. The man behind the Cowboys draft, the real GM of the Dallas Cowboys. Also, is Zeke coming back? Well, we'll dive into that. Don't worry. We got stars moving on to the next round of the playoffs. They'll be playing the Kraken of Seattle. So a lot to get into. But none of this can happen without our great sponsors. And one of those right at the very top of that list is none other than Robert Greening at Greening Law. Phenomenal team, the green team. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you experienced malpractice from a physician, a hospital, if you were injured on the premises of a business, if you had injury to your person, to your body, hence personal injury lawyer, you need to give Robert Greening a call and let him know what's going on. See if you've got a case, because I am telling you from personal experience, these guys will go to bat for you against the insurance companies. No, it's what Matt tells you all the time is that this this thing, Matt says this took, you know, close to two years. These things can take a long time. They can be tedious. They can be intimidating. Uh, they can just wear your butt out. And so you want somebody riding with you, somebody fighting for you, somebody doing all the stuff the Grinning Law does. And so that's why we say if you've been involved in any of those things, if you even think that you might have a case, hey, don't, don't sit around and wonder. Just pick up the phone, give them a call at 972-934-8900 and say, hey, uh, here's the situation. What do you think? Uh, it usually doesn't take them too long to get back to you. And if they bring you on as a client, Matt will tell you it's a good day for you. It is indeed a good day for you. I can tell you that right now. And again, as Jacques just told you, the consultation is free. So if you think you have a case and you're not even sure, you can call them. doesn't cost you anything. So find out. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So I always think it's interesting after the draft because they're, for whatever, and you and I, I think people that regularly listen to the podcast are aware of this by now. But there are people who might not have heard this before. I can tell you, I have told people that I work with that'll sit here and go, man, it's got to suck having Jerry Jones as your GM, huh? And I go, well, he's not really the GM. He's just a figurehead, kind of. There's a lot more. And they're like, oh, well, I don't know if that's true. Okay, well, I'm telling you it is true. 
<laughs> so I, I don't know how else to explain it to you. And then, of course, this this always tends to happen around draft time. And I know Calvin Watkins wrote about it in the Dallas Morning News. I think Chill had mentioned something about it on Twitter. You know, it's one of those things. The, the, the brains behind the draft, and, and it's a collective, but the main guy behind the draft, he doesn't have the title of general manager, but he gets paid like he's a general manager. The Cowboys would do anything to keep him from leaving the franchise. And that, of course, is Will McClay, who you know very well. Dude, the thing, uh, yeah, and the thing about Will is, and, and let me let me start at the beginning. Will don't really care about titles. Will cares about his responsibilities and what he's ultimately supposed to do. And so he's had job offers many, many times, which is why if you look at the media guide, his title keeps improving every year or changing almost every year. Uh, but he's happy in Dallas, man, because basically he can run the show and do almost everything a GM does. Uh, he just doesn't have a title, and he doesn't really care about the title. Why? Because he's doing all the stuff that a GM would do. Nobody thinks that Jerry Jones is sitting around looking at every snap that Amari Cooper takes before you trade for him a few years ago. No, that's Will McClay looking at all 3,300 snaps he's played in the NFL. And so you saw uh, on draft night, uh, if you haven't seen the clip by now, we'll point it out to you. Maybe we'll retweet it. You know, where they're asking for his opinion, he gives it to you, and that's how you end up with the number one draft pick. Yeah, I mean, he, he basically is a driving force behind that. And as Chill tweets out, Will McClay has the power and influence in Cowboys personnel decision. The Jones family trusts him. They listen to him. He was the brains behind the pick of Smith. Trust Will McClay. And then this key, he is the calm to the Jones family circus. And it almost seems like it works perfectly because we know this. And we've talked about this a million times. Jerry is going to speak and speak and speak. Half the time, he doesn't even make sense. Jerry is a showman. Jerry is a brilliant man at garnering attention for his franchise, which is why, even when the Cowboys have sucked, we're talking about a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl since a lot of people, like my little brother, Mark, barely was alive the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. I mean, they, like he has no recollection of the Cowboys winning a Super Bowl, and he's married and has a kid now. You know, wow. so you think about that. But yet the Cowboys continue to be at the top of relevancy, not just in the NFL, but around the world because of the things that Jerry is able to do. And then Steven comes along and Steven seems to give a little bit more of a realistic portrait, but he still paints the picture and understands how to keep the Cowboys relevant. And you don't really ever hear anything from Will McClay because Will McClay is the guy who's probably the most realistic about the bunch. And they don't, he does, if he doesn't need the spotlight, then it works so well with the Joneses because they let him basically run the thing, the scouting department, and he puts together the board. Well, you know, when you're talking about a team, man, Will ain't seeking credit. Like, Will is not out there self-promoting. Will is not out there saying, hey, look at me. I made this pick. I did that. I mean, I know y'all worried about Jerry, but I really did all. He ain't really worried about all that. He doesn't care about all that. He's as low-key a dude is as he is in that position and because he's low-key and because he's secure and because he's respected uh within the building he can operate the way that he does and for him um i've talked to him about this numerous times ultimately he'd like to be a gm in name and title and run a football team and do everything like he can't uh how about this have virtually complete autonomy which he doesn't have in dallas uh, nobody does in Dallas, not even Jerry, if you think about it. Uh, so he, he would like to do that one day, but he ain't pressed for it. And secondly, his, his kid is, uh, is still in high school, and uh, he doesn't want him to really have a nomadic existence 
that a football coach's kid would have. So I can't really see him moving until after Gabe goes to college, which is probably two or three years from now. So let's just, because I'm curious. I mean, Jerry Jones is 80 years old. If Jerry were to pass in the next few years and Steven moves into the figurehead, obviously, and, and the number one guy, do they then do something with Will that would perhaps give him more of that autonomy? Or does Steven also assume the kind of I'm the GM type role? That's a good question. And uh, I don't know the answer because, you know, Charlotte's got her thing that she does within the organization. Uh, Jerry Jr.'s got his thing, which he does. I don't know that the grandkids, John Stevens, Shibo, who is uh, Charlotte's son, Paxton, who's still at the University of Texas, any of the young ladies, I don't know that they're ready to be a GM. And so they might at that point give the title to Will. That would be interesting. But again, it wouldn't be all that much different no, than it what he's doing right. now. But it's for, just that you'd have a title behind it. Yes, and then I think people would understand his impact a lot more because it, especially on the national scale, but even more so we know in the DFW area, there are so many people that believe that it's just Jerry Jones willy-nilly going in there and just doing whatever he wants, and he's the GM and, and he should fire himself when the reality of it is that, again, we've tried to tell you guys that's not how it works. No, man, I mean, Jerry made a joke about it the other day out at the Star. He's talking to he. I can't remember how he set it up, but he's like, well, you know, one time I tried to run up there and turn in Johnny Manziel's card and Steven put me in a bear hug and stopped me or something like that. And uh, that alone right there tells you that, no, Jerry's just not running roughshod, doing his own thing. And they, to me, have been pretty clear, and we've talked about it uh, countless times, about how they come up with their board. And you kind of saw it in action the other day. The, what to do in the first round, Laporta or this guard. Some people think it was uh, the kid from TCU. Some people think it was the other kid, Barizi, um, and, uh, and Mozzie Smith. And they're talking about it and about it, and finally Steven goes, well, Will, who would you pick? Well, I mean, it can't be any more clear than that, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, they go, okay, let's roll with it. Mozzie Smith it is. Yeah, I would say so. If you're asking one guy, who would you pick? And he answers that, and that's the guy you pick, that should tell you something. And the debate pretty much stopped after that. Uh, I think the key line was we haven't had a defensive tackle ranked this high in a long time. And so if we're, if we're going to commit to that, this is the guy to get, not a guy in the second round, but go get the guy right now. Makes sense. So that's Will McClay, the impact that he has, and the reality of the situation in the Cowboys' war room and, and where they kind of sit. Always good to refresh everybody's memory on how the Cowboys operate these days. Now, that being said, it is always interesting because Jerry does own the team, and, and he likes to fire things up. He likes to keep the Cowboys in the news. He had this to say after the draft, after the selection of Deuce Vaughn. He was asked about Zeke Elliott who the Cowboys released and who is currently a free agent and who is still looking for an NFL team after the Eagles and the Bengals basically declined him. The Bills signed Latavius Murray instead. Jerry Jones says that ship has not sailed. We haven't made a decision. We obviously drafted a running back a little different style than Zeke, but it doesn't change for us. As far as our interest in Zeke, nothing we did today changes that. That ship hasn't sailed. I haven't ruled out Zeke. Which, of course, gets everybody to go, wait, what? So I had a friend text me the other day about it. And I said, dude, stop tripping. I said, you realize they gave his number away, right? (laughs) 
Like, they gave his number to Stephon Gilmore. He's wearing 21 this year. Well, Zeke said he wanted to wear 15 anyway. I was like, I guess, man. I said, Will Greer has that number. I mean, I guess if he wants to strong arm him, Will Greer would give it up for Zeke. But here's the other thing, man. Do y'all, I mean, I'm just asking. This is a rhetorical question. Do y'all really think Zeke wants to come back as a charity case? I wouldn't think so. Like, personally. I can't get no job nowhere else. I can't get no offer nowhere else. Oh, the Cowboys will pay, bring me back and pay me minimum wage for the NFL player. Whatever that is, a million dollars or somewhere in that ballpark. You think Zeke wants that? You, th- you think Zeke wants to walk around the locker room knowing that, well, I didn't really have any other offers there. They gave me a pity, pity contract. And now, you know, Tony Pollard's a man, and so I got to get two or three carries a game around the goal line and short yardage. I mean, y'all think he wants that in Dallas. I didn't say he couldn't do that somewhere else. I'm talking about in Dallas where you've been the man, where you've had the keys to the city. And now you had now you're the lowest ranking employee, so to speak. Nah, I don't even think he wants that, man. Now, I haven't spoken to him about it, but I don't think he'd want that. I think he'd like to go prove he can still got a little juice left and show how he can contribute. Yeah, you would think it'd be curious to see where he ends up going. I mean, again, he kind of put out that list saying that he it would be one of these three teams, and all those three teams are kind of like, well, that's news to us. We don't have any interest in you. And as I mentioned, the Bills, who, who wanted to bring in a running back, went out and got Latavius Murray, who played with two different teams last year, but did average 4.4 yards per attempt, and Zeke averaged 3.8 yards per attempt. I'll be curious. I, I don't think he's done. I think somebody, now that the draft is done, and, and, and this has kind of fallen out, he'll be in camp with someone. But I'll be very curious to see if he makes a final roster for 2023 or if this is one of those situations of they don't want to have that guy in to start this season because they want to develop like a rookie or somebody younger. And then, oh, by the way, this guy got hurt. And now we know we can just pull this guy off the street. And he knows what to do. Could be one of those. Uh, but uh, could be one of those. I was going to say they might not want to pay him, but I don't think he's going to be making that much money that you want to wait and bring him in week two. I think the problem is uh, – I think he can help a team. It has to be a very specialized role, like I just said, short yardage, goal line, because um, he's really good at that. And if he's doing that, it's not highlighting his weaknesses, you know, which is burst, acceleration, that's, that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, I think he can still help somebody, but it's like anything else, bro. You got to find the right fit. You got to find the right team and the right circumstance, and it has not yet revealed itself. And he may also be having to come to terms with you don't have a lot of choices. Uh, They call, you better go. Also very true. So we shall see the Zeke saga. But, yeah, I I think that's just, again, the Cowboys in a variety of different ways because Steven got asked about Zeke not that long ago. And and I think until Zeke finds another home, you're going to hear reporters are going to bring it up. Well, Zeke's still out there. What do you guys think about bringing back Zeke? And part yeah, of that, I think, is respect for the player to be, well, that, you know, what are they going to say? Oh, we have no interest in Zeke. Nah, he's trash. Nah, bro, I think uh, that's exactly what I was about to say, which I think some of us just, they, they're trying to make him, yeah. they're trying to make sure that they don't say anything that makes him look bad because that's not any type of feeling that they have for him. They, they love him as a player. They love him as a man. And they want to show him that type of respect at all times. And so I think that's why they say what they say. So the other thing to throw out as we wrap up the draft thing here is, and I I always find this interesting, the SEC, 
which we all know is the best conference in college football, the SEC and the Big Ten, by far and away the two best conferences in college football, for the 17th consecutive year, the SEC led with the most selections of any conference. They had 62 players selected from the SEC this year. The Big Ten was next with 55. This is how big the gap is between these two conferences and everybody else. The ACC had 33. The Big 12, which only has 10 teams, had 29. The Pac-12 had 27. Now, to be fair, the SEC, the Big 10, and the ACC all have 14 teams. But, I mean, the fact that the Pac-12 has 12 teams and had 27 players selected while the SEC had 62 players selected. I mean, again, you've got, you've got a conference who is literally putting twice as much talent into the NFL as three of the other Power Five conferences. I mean, I'm, I'm, but I ain't surprised by that. They're the best conference. Um, you know, and it, you know, Alabama and Georgia combined for a third of those 62 players. Yeah, because they, they had 10 each, yeah. Yeah, which should surprise nobody because they're two of the top teams in the country. Um, you know, so I've, I'm not surprised by any of that. And it's only going to go up. Why? Because Texas and Oklahoma are coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Texas is getting better. And, you know, I've said this for a long time. And, again, I ain't breaking no news here. You could tell Texas would be getting better when? When they started getting guys drafted. Especially in the first, second, and third round. That's where your best players get drafted, and look at where those guys come from. Look how many guys Ohio State had taken in the first three rounds. Look how many guys Georgia had taken in the first three rounds. Look at Alabama, or just look at the first round, and look at Michigan. Why has Michigan kicked Ohio State's ass the last two years? Guess what? They now have guys being taken in the first round, Guys being t- multiple guys being taken in the first two or three rounds. That was not the case for a minute. So they've upgraded their talent, and guess what? Now they're reaping the rewards on the field, and you reap the rewards in the draft room. <laughs> Um, you know, everybody wants to know, you know, and we talked a little bit about yesterday, you know, HBCUs, Jackson State, they had one player drafted, but I think they got three other guys in camps. That's four guys in NFL camps. Um, That's more than most HBCU teams have. That speaks to the talent. That's why they were blowing everybody out in the, uh, in the, uh, in the swag, except for maybe Florida A&M, which may have had two guys in camps. But it ain't hard to figure – it ain't hard to trail and keep the receipts for success, man. If you can play in the NFL, you end, I mean, in college, you end up in the NFL, and the best teams have the most guys in the league. Yeah, and that's where you bring up Texas and Oklahoma. They each had five selections in this draft. Texas – might have mentioned this the other day, but Texas, for the first time since Vince Young was drafted, had an offensive player go in the first round as B. John Robinson went the eighth overall pick – Overshone, of course, went third round. Then they had a fourth, a sixth, and a seventh rounder. And the fact, I mean, Sark has been recruiting, and they're doing a better job of developing the people he's recruiting than ever before. And you never know, but all these way-too-early mock drafts, it's crazy, man. Barring, I, I, we still need to see more for Quinn Ewers. Everybody's putting him in the first round next year. But the other two guys, barring injury, will go in the first round, and that's Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver, and Sanders, the tight end, both projected to go in the first round next year. Ewers, I'm not ready to throw that out until we see more from him this upcoming season. 
Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, he might need another year, bro. We'll see how this year goes. Yeah, we shall see. But the other two guys are, are going to be drafted very, very highly and, and very likely to be first round picks. And point being, again, Texas is going to start putting some talent into the NFL because Sark is recruited extremely well and is developing what he has recruited, which we haven't seen in a while down there. Of course, they'll join the SEC along with Oklahoma in 2024. I thought it was interesting as well. Only seven Power Five schools failed to log a single NFL draft pick. Now, some of those probably make sense to everybody, like Vanderbilt and the SEC didn't have a draft pick, although Tyler Steen, who played his final season at Alabama, was selected, but it counts as an Alabama pick, not as a Vanderbilt pick. Indiana out of the Big Ten had zero picks. Duke out of the ACC, zero picks. Arizona, and everybody would probably guess Colorado, which is why Dion's getting rid of the entire roster. Colorado had zero draft picks. The only one that really jumps out is like, really interesting. The third team from the Pac-12 was zero draft picks this year. They finished ranked in the top 10 at the end of the season. The Washington Huskies did not have a single player drafted. Now, they've got a lot of young dudes coming back, and they're another team that'll have multiple firsts next year. I was going to say, I think that's because all their guys are coming back. Yeah. And uh, so that they can compete for a national championship next year uh, because they got a lot of talent. And uh, like you said, they were underclassmen. So I think that's the only reason why they got NFL caliber talent on their team. They just uh, they just ain't uh, graduated yet. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've got a lot of talent there. But that's kind of how it looks from a collegiate impact and, and some of the teams that were putting a lot of guys into the NFL. And as we mentioned, not only did they lead the SEC, but Georgia and Alabama tied for the lead for putting the most players overall of any school from anywhere with 10 each into the NFL in this draft. But you as know, we move forward, thing. oh, go I'm ahead. Say, man, I'm sorry, man. One more thing about that Quinn Ewers thing is, you know, he's from South Lake. So his parents have money. He's got NIL deals. So he has his own money. Like when you got your own money and we're talking like close to seven digits. The, there's not the pressure, like, I got to go to the league and get this cash. Like, you're much better off, if you can afford to, staying in school and really making your mistakes in school and maximizing your, your, your time at Texas to go from, even if you go from being a late first or early second mm. to being a top ten pick. You're just better off doing that. Yeah, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, he'll be eligible at the end of this year, and I think – you know, that's why I always thought it was funny. People look, oh, what's Archer Quinn? I mean, Quinn Ewers will be that. Like, ideally for Texas, Arch Manning won't set a foot on the field ever. And I'll tell you this, I don't think he's even the backup quarterback. I think Malik Murphy is going to be the number two quarterback this year. Their idea for Arch was come in, give you a year, no pressure. You don't have to play. Don't worry about taking snaps. Let's develop you. And then if Quinn leaves after 2023, then it'll be you and Malik Murphy that'll battle each other for the starting quarterback position in 2024. And let's not forget, Malik Murphy is a pretty damn good quarterback when he was at Duncanville. Uh, yeah, Malik Murphy, uh, he looked good in spring. like, And uh, Arch Manning didn't. And I don't think that that's necessarily a big shock and surprise. Quinn Ewers didn't look that great at Ohio State uh, when he came in as a true freshman who was 17. So it takes time, man. Even if you're really, really good at the quarterback spot, to adjust and adapt to the speed of the game and all of that. Yes, it definitely does. 
So we'll move on. Got to get into stuff around the block here. But before we do that again, this doesn't happen without our sponsors, guys, who help us tremendously. So when you call them and you use them, you are tremendously helping the podcast continue. And of course, our newest sponsor that we're so excited about is Flow Air Heating and Air. Flow Air, family and veteran-owned and operated company, over 16 years of experience. And again, we talked about this on the last podcast. It's May. Everybody in DFW knows that maybe if you're lucky, maybe if you're lucky, you can get out of May without sweating to death, walking around to where you come inside and you're pumping down the AC. Doubtful, because probably here in a couple of weeks, it's going to start hitting 90 if it doesn't already before then. Then we know in June, in July, in August, in September, those long months of just running your AC constantly are on the way. That's why Flow Air right now is offering their yearly maintenance for this month for $99 per system instead of the normal $169 because they want to get your summer started off right. It's important to get your AC checked out and service to make sure you don't have any problems before you go into these heavy usage months. And that's why we recommend you got to use Flow Air when all your AC needs pop up and they service the entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and... They provide 24-7 emergency service. Now, that's what I really like. But I, I'm really big because I've had in the last, uh, I don't know, t I'd say in the last seven years, I've had two major air conditioning things. And a couple of them was uh, just if I had gotten some maintenance done, I would have, what do I always say? I'd have seen it earlier and it had been a fraction of the cost of me catching it later. And so I tell everybody, man, if, if somebody's like an air conditioning service, got a maintenance plan, that's the kind of thing you need to jump on because it never caught. It's like signing deck late. The price on the yeah. quarterback never goes down. The price on your air conditioner, getting it repaired, never goes down. Get the maintenance program, find it early, and get yourself a little peace of mind. Yeah, so check them out, man. It's Flow Air. You can find them online at flowairtx.com. That's F-L-O-A-I-R-E-T-X.com. Also, keep in mind that for the month of May, they're running a special on AC surge protectors as well, which help to shield sensitive electronic systems and long-term help you to keep from purchasing expensive replacement parts. So when you think air conditioning this summer for all your needs, when you need help, Make it flow air, and you can call them or text them 817-808-4115, 817-808-4115. It's flow air. Also happy to have Bruce Biltong back with us, man. We appreciate what he does, and one thing I love about Bruce Biltong is tastes great. Now, to be fair, again, Biltong is like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's a South African traditional snack, and... The first time we ever heard Biltong, a while back when he first jumped on the podcast, I was like, what is Biltong? So I was like, send us some so we can try it. And we tried it, and I thought it was so incredibly good. I was like, oh, yeah, man, anytime you want to do the podcast, because people, I didn't know that Biltong existed before we talked to Steve, who's the owner of Brews Biltong. I eat it all the time now. It's zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, a two-ounce bag, has 30 grams of protein in it. It's lean, it's healthy, and it tastes phenomenal. That's a hell of a combination right there, bro. Uh, the sliced built tongue is how I get down. You can also get it in a big, thick strip and slice it. Uh, it's um, it's terrific, man. It's it's nothing like jerky. What I mean is, and Matt will tell you this, it's, it's really kind of succulent and tender and juicy. I mean, it's, it's really wild how they came up with this, man, but it's fantastic, and it is delish. 
It is, man. It's really, really good. And the great news is Brews Biltong offers all Jam Session listeners a 15% discount. So jump online and order your Biltong. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. It's Brews Biltong, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Check them out online. So let's take this trip around the block, man, because I thought this was really interesting. You sent this the other morning, and I started really thinking about it. You just sent a question. <laughs> I what, do that from time to time. What's one product under $500 that's impacted your health the most? And so I started thinking about this, and you I don't know which one to throw out there, so I thought of two, because the first one I thought of was my Fitbit. And damn, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wear a Fitbit and I've been wearing a Fitbit probably for about four or five years now. And recently, this past Christmas, I upgraded our Fitbits to the new version of the one that I forget exactly which one it is that we use, but I got one for me and one for the lady because her other one had broken. So, oh, it's the charge. So we got the charge five, which is the new version of it. And I look, I subscribe to the premium, I think it's like seven bucks a month. It tracks your sleep. It tracks your heart rate. You can enter in all kinds of things when you eat it, your water consumption. It can do all kinds of different things. And the new Fitbit even offers like you can do with the app. If you pay for premium, you can do meditation sessions and all that type of thing. And I get obsessed with stats, man. And and <laughs> the Fitbit, when I first got it, and I got to give the lady credit because this was all her. She thought I would enjoy it because she knows I like to track stuff and that I get obsessed with statistics, but I hate wearing watches. And she knew that. Like, I never wore a watch. Like, I've had people give me watches before. My mom gave me one probably about 20 years ago that I actually liked, and I wore it, and then it broke. And I'm, I just don't like having jewelry on. Like, I don't like necklaces. I, I, I don't, like, when we get married, I'm not going to wear a ring. I'm going to get a tattoo so I don't have to wear a ring because I can't stand wearing jewelry of any kind. And so the watch thing... When she first gave me the Fitbit, man, I, I had to mentally fight my discomfort <laughs> to make myself get used to it because it was worth it to me because of the information that I was getting from the Fitbit. Nah, man. I mean, uh, you know me. I'm a Fitbit guy. Uh, matter of fact, I was, I was trying to look up real quick how long I've had it. And I did it for the same reasons as every, almost everybody's got one. There's some stat on there that you like. Or something that you that you really get down with, and mine just happened to be two of them was resting heart rate. Like you know, call me you know I don't know what to say about it. I'm just obsessed with the resting heart rate. I think because the lower your resting heart rate, I equate it to being in good shape, and so I'm I'm forever trying to get it lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And I remember being mine topped out at about uh probably about 56 or 50 i think it was 55 or 56 last year uh and then i remember i took my son to get a physical this is right his last physical going into football season mm -hmm. that dude's heart rate bro was 44 that's wonderful <laughs> i was like i am so jealous yeah man <laughs> uh but yeah but of course he was at that point he was a finely tuned athlete and so you would ex you would expect him to be in great shape, but no, that's uh that's why I got it. And uh, I was trying to see because you know for a long time I used to to uh, put my workout stats in the uh, in Facebook every day, and I was trying to see how long uh, I can go back and find a Fitbit uh, marking. 
But I've had it probably at least five or six or seven years. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I pay attention to all that stuff, the heart rate, the, the sleep schedule, because now, it, you know, it, the new versions are measuring your sleep a lot more, which is really great and keeps track of how many times you wake up and all this type of thing, like the percentage of what types of different sleep you're getting. The heart rate stuff is is really important to me. Even the steps, because I became obsessed, like my my goal this year is to have 70,000 steps minimum each week of the year, which is 10,000 steps a day, obviously, but not, I, I don't necessarily get 10,000 steps every day. It's just making sure I get the 70,000 every week. Right. That's a good goal. And so far this week, every single week this year, since the beginning of 2022 or 2023, I've, I've exceeded 70,000 steps. Oh, no, I know I haven't done that. Uh, I'll Yeah. It's when, um, you know, obviously I haven't done it because I've been doing a lot of writing and sitting, <laughs> which is why it's important for me to get out and make sure I work out yeah. every day yeah. just to uh, just to loosen it up because you can end up sitting and writing four or five, six hours a day, which is, uh, you know, not being very active at all. Yeah, I mean, that's you got to get up and move around a little bit. And so, you know, that'll be interesting to see if I'm able to do that throughout the course of the entire year, I mean, barring an injury or something happening to me, I don't know why I wouldn't be able to. You just sometimes, like I even, this is so nuts. Like when I wake up now, usually in the morning, I will walk in a circle. I mean, not like it's, I walk from the living room around the kitchen and then back into the living room and I'll do that for like 30 minutes. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that, that borderline sickness problem now. Yeah, I'm worried about you. <laughs> And then I, like, usually that, that, you know, it's just, it's, what it's are you doing? Like, I'm just like, it's basically like a walking meditation, just thinking about my day and just different things and focusing on certain things. And I log like over 2000 steps, just doing that in the mornings. And then I go about the rest of my day. Where is uh, the lady fiance? She's, She's usually sleeping. in the bedroom, probably still asleep when I'm doing this. Uh, okay. But she knows I do it because one morning she woke up and she was on the couch and she said it was driving her insane. Oh, I believe that. And I was like, well, go back into the bedroom. You don't have to be out here. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've wild. gotten, there are certain things I've done that have, have, I've gone nuts. The other product that I thought of when you asked that question, one product under 500 that's impacted your health the most. And this is, cause I still do that. I, this is my workout to this day that I've incorporated some other stuff with, but the main focus of my workouts is that cross rope that you showed me a couple of years ago. And I do multiple cross rope exercises a week. And I have found for me that it's helped to keep me in very good shape. And then I've incorporated some other things, like I said, like I've got some dumbbells and I do some other things. And, you know, I've got a weighted vest and some weight bags and stuff like that that aren't a part of that program. But for the main part, I kind of like, for instance, I'll do a cross rope workout and then do my own workout. Or if there's a long one, I don't always necessarily do every little thing that the cross rope rope workout will show to do i'll incorporate my own thing inside that right 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 if that makes sense but i love doing that man because it's a great cardio workout and if you incorporate some weights with it it ends up being a it's just i really enjoy it and it's working it's worked for me so well what he's talking about is cross rope and you can look it up online probably crossrope.com they're jump ropes but uh they're a little they're higher quality yeah yeah they're they're a little higher quality and they're weighted and you can go really heavy, like, you know, three and four and five pounds if you get down like that. 
or, you know, more like a pound, pound and a half, three quarters of a pound, whatever. But whatever it is, you can get a really good workout in it. And the reason why our podcast works, why our radio show works, Matt's taking two of my, my things under 500 uh, that I would say because we're the same dude. Just, <laughs> yeah. just without some of the, my sessions are not quite as deep as his, but they, they remain obsessed uh, nonetheless. And I think uh, the, uh, the other thing on my list, bro, you can probably guess what it is. It's the air fryer. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Because I literally air fry everything I eat probably. Like I have, um, I can't even tell you the last time. Last time I used a stove, I think I was baking some cornbread. And that was about, you know, Thanksgiving time, something like that. But I don't, I don't, I use the air fryer every day, man, for basically every meal. Uh, it's quick, it's fast, it's, it's fantastic. It's better, like I don't even use, I don't even use the microwave really except to defrost most of the time because everything goes in the air fryer because when you microwave stuff, it gets a little soggy. When you air fry it, it stays crispy. Yeah, man, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of things, and, and I've read a couple of books recently on health and aging and longevity and all that type of thing, and, and I've really adopted some of the things that it's, it's kind of the same philosophy from two different doctors. One was a little bit more hardcore than the other one that kind of approach, I guess, medicine in a sense in a different way and, and how to use more food as medicine and, and taking better care of yourself and whatnot. So there's different, I was telling my brother a couple of things. He's, God, that's, he's like, really? I was like, yeah, you know, I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole a little bit on this while trying not to go too far down and, and still make sure I'm enjoying life and everything. And I'm not obsessed with, you know, you got to enjoy yourself at times. You have to. Dude. I mean, I mean, part of the reason I do all this so I can enjoy myself. Right. I mean, I tell my, I tell my friends my age all the time that, you know, part of working out is there's no, I don't see any purpose in being an old man. Like you want longevity, you want years, but you want quality of life. So, you know, whenever you drop dead, you want to drop dead having a great quality of life. You don't want to be, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that for the last 10, 15, 20 years of your life. And um, a lot of my friends now, I put it like this. A lot of my friends now are seeing how they hadn't done anything in their 30s and 40s. And it's now, you know, now they have to work three times as hard just to get started. And for you, it's probably people who haven't done anything in their 20s and 30s are like, damn, now I got to get started in my 40s. Wow, this is a pain in the ass. And so I was like that, but I started in my probably my early 30s. And it's just kind of a lifestyle now. And I hope that it pays dividends if I can hit, you know, 70s and 80s and beyond that you're just in good shape, that you just can. If you want to walk in a park, you can walk in a park. Or if you want to play catch with your kid or your grandkids, you can do that. That's all. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder and all this stuff. I just want to look good in my clothes and uh, be active and have fun. Yeah, you don't have to become, you don't have to run marathons or do anything like that. It's just, I think a lot of it is building that base, like you said, so it's not as difficult. Because no matter what you do, as you age the fight against losing muscle mass and bone density and things like that, your, your stabilization abilities, it's just nature. And, and you try to do what you can early in your life to set that up. So it doesn't happen. You just fall off of a cliff. It's just an easier decline, but you got to keep at it, which there are different ways to do that. But yeah, I thought, 
The health question is interesting because as I, this probably for me really started to change as I got closer to 40. And then certainly in the last few years, since I turned 40, my health and fitness has become paramount to me. And one of the things I do love, I I mean, I'll I'll have people all the time that'll be like, man, really? You're in your mid forties. I would have thought you're like 37. They're like, like I'll get, I had a guy, this is probably like a year ago at Trader Joe's ID me. He was like, there's no way this is your real ID. I was like, yeah. He goes, man, you're like four years older than me. And I thought you were 10 years younger than me. He, <laughs> and this was a guy who was not in shape. I'll just leave it at that. And he goes, what, what, what's your secret? Like, how do you, I was like, well, I work out regularly, very hard. And I drink a lot of water and I eat well. That's he's like, yeah, bro. And I was like, I mean, I don't, I mean, what do you want me to tell you? You know, I'm yeah. extremely hydrated. I, I keep myself in great shape and I eat Five days out of the week, the, the stuff that I eat, most people will be like, oh, wow, you, you must be hungry, or I bet that doesn't taste good. And I completely disagree. And people think I'm nuts. And then they're like, well, golly, I wish that I looked 10 years younger than I am or six years younger than I am or whatever. I'm like, oh, but you yeah. think I'm insane for eating like this? No, man. You know, and I tell my friends, because I've, I've had a couple conversations with a couple of them lately. Like, dog, yeah. You know, it was funny because I was a, you know, I often refer to myself as a former fat guy. Uh, well, now these are former slim dudes who never even thought about having to watch what they eat. And now they've packed on that, uh, as I like to, when I'm messing with them, say, you know, you look like a snake that just ate a rat. Um, you know, it's just like, dude, you just got to get started. You don't have to do anything major. Just, you know, if you want to start walking, start walking. You want to walk on the treadmill, walk on the treadmill. You know, whatever you do, whatever you like to do, just uh, get a little active and do it with some intentionality. And then, uh, you know, the main thing is if you just clean up your diet, which is the hardest part, Yep. you know, um, that'll you won't have to work out as much. But, you know, you got to do something because uh, you want your quality of life as you hit those. Like I'm now officially closer to 60 than 50. So, as you know, as you move into the fourth quarter of life, you just want to be give yourself the best chance to play in overtime if you can. Yeah, that's really true, man. And, and the best thing you can do, drink a lot of water and do everything you can to cut out sugars and things of that nature that are added into food the best that you can. If you limit your intake and keep that as low as possible, that will help tremendously. Oh, uh, yeah. And there's enough stuff out there to tell you what to do. You just have to figure out a program that works for you and then uh, pretty much implement it. Yeah. So there's that spiel for all of you. <laughs> yeah. There's the air fryer. There's the Fitbit. Because I've got the Versa, which is the watch. Matt's got yeah. the Charge, which is not the watch. Yeah, it's a little smaller, then, I think. Then there's the cross rope. So, oh, that's good. That, that about sums it up for me, too. Yeah, and I've, there's certain things. Like, I've been looking at getting, what do you, like a box jump type, type thing that I can use in the garage to do step-ups and stuff. And, you know, really what I might start doing, because there's a Planet Fitness real close to where we live. And you can sign up there for like 10 bucks a month. And I might just go over there a couple times a week so I can throw around some weight Oh, you can't throw around the weights at Planet Fitness, bro. If you throw around the weights at Planet Fitness, they'll ask you to leave. I'll do you some to, whatever. You have to do them very quietly. Mm, I see. And dude, it, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of gym options that because to Planet me, like Fitness a lot. Serve pizzas and bagels on Tuesdays. I never got that. Yeah, I don't understand that either. That doesn't make any sense. But you know, they it, didn't want to ask me to leave. Really? Because you were too loud. And I wasn't really loud at all. Like, I've heard people who are loud, and this was more like, a, I mean, but see, the other thing is they don't even give you enough weights to have to do that. Loud. Yeah, because they only go up to like 50, don't they? 
something like that. And yeah. I was going to say, if you if you have worked at any amount of time, you know, fifty pound dumbbells is not like for for you know, I mean, that's almost like your basics after a minute. Yeah, and that's the anyway, thing. Yeah, I mean, that's so. Anyway, that's. Uh, I don't want to take a dump on Planet Fitness because for some people it's a great starter gym and a great place to get involved and, and maybe that's all you ever want. So, but it's a different it's a different environment. It and is definitely different. I guess that's good because that's what they want. But it is really different. <laughs> it's true and they're super popular, man. They're everywhere, which is great because I do think it's a great entry level thing to get people yeah. started who feel uncomfortable going to other gyms. No, that's so. That's why I say it was a great model, yeah. and uh, I can't remember why I was going there because it's not a normal place I would go. But I was working out with a friend of mine who wanted to get back into. He was a former Division One football player who uh, had some shoulder injuries, and so he just wanted to start off slow. And oh it was yeah, close. yep. And it was it was kind of like the midpoint between our our houses because we were working out at five in the morning, so we just opted to go there. And I'm not even sure a place like 24-Hour Fitness had opened yet in Dallas. That's how long ago it was in my neck of the woods. So that might have been why we were there. Otherwise, I can't imagine why I agreed to go there. Yeah, it's wild, man. The gym options around here, because I don't, I don't like having to go out of the way to go to the gym, which is why I started working out in the garage during COVID and why I continue to work out in the garage. And I've added a bunch of stuff to do some things. Because I don't like to have to drive, oh, this is 20 minutes out of my way this way, nowhere near where I live to go to a gym. No, true. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's why like Planet Fitness is literally right down the hill, probably five minutes from here. And outside of that, there's not one I'd have to go out of the way to go to the gym, which yeah. is ridiculous. Well, in that case, uh, it'll work for you. Yeah, because there's no 24-hour fitness here. There are some nicer ones that took over, like Gold's Gym completely vacated the area and forget what it's called, it's called like 24E or something that has a couple right. of nice ones, but they're not convenient, which is unfortunate. I'm like, man. No, it has to be convenient. Make most one convenient. People, most people say it needs to be, you know, within 10 minutes. Yeah, because otherwise you won't go because nobody wants to go out of the way. Right, because I've been trying to go to a lifetime forever, but there's never been a lifetime near me. Yeah, and there's, a, there's, a, there's one probably 15 minutes from where I live, and it's just... I looked into it once because they have classes and stuff, which I think the lady would do that if she could do some group classes and all that. And man, the cost to go to Lifetime, it's just comical. Yeah. I'm like, God, oh, what, what, what does this come with? Like, I mean, and I know it comes with towels and they do all this stuff and it's super nice. I'm like, man, this is, that's like a resort. I mean, you guys aren't kidding around with that price. Mm-hmm. Um I go to Cowboys Fit now, which is uh, ironic. Oh, there you go. That is the, Cow the Cowboys gym, but it's a, it's a good gym. Um, it's got everything it's got everything you want um, and uh, they don't bother you a lot and it's uh, and it's not it's it's crowded at the peak hours you would expect and other than that it's manageable and uh, it's a it's a really good gym so there's a little gym talk for you there you go the other thing I wanted to throw out here for you is we had a couple of really big names that have moved on into the afterlife in the recent few days. One of those, and I think pretty much everybody recognizes these two names. One of those is Jerry Springer, who passed away last week at the age of 79. And he had pancreatic cancer, which everybody I think is aware that that's one of those that 
That is one of the cancers that still to this day, if they tell you you've got that, it is not good. No, it's over. It's just a matter of how much time. And um, what's crazy is I swear he was at the Cincinnati Reds Rangers game, and then two days later they announced that he had passed. He might have, although it seems like you'd be so weak you couldn't really get to That's what I would like think, that. but, man, I swear that was him sitting behind home plate. One, of, I think it, it was been. the first game of that series last week. It could have been. Because um, he's former mayor of Cincinnati. I'm sure most people are aware of that. Yes. No, he, uh, he had a good time. And then his show, which ran for forever, and, and it used to be, I mean, I, come on. I mean, every, all of us at some point watched the Jerry Springer show. Yes, we did. We all did. And, and I'm no stranger to the Jerry Springer show. I used to watch it, and we'd crack up and laugh, and you'd try to find the uncensored version so that you could get all the ex- profanity and nudity. When that, right, right, right. That show was on, you know? And I don't know. It was wild because the Jerry Springer show – I looked this up the other day after he passed because it ran way longer than any of us think. What did it run, 20 years? It ran from 1991. So 20 years would have put it at 2011. Right. The last episode aired July 26, 2018. Wow. 27 so seasons. off of that. It had 4,969 episodes. Dude. And I I mean, like, what's crazy about that is I don't know that I watched any episodes in the last 15 years of that thing being on. (laughs) Because when I was working at the video store, Video Village, that used to be in Rockwall when I was in high school, that would have been like 95. You know, I worked there for a few. Well, I guess it was more like 96, 97, 98, 99. And Jerry Springer was like at its height. And we used to rent uncensored Jerry Springer VHS that would have, you know, like a whole season on it or whatever. And you could go and watch it and see all the stuff that they blurred out or edited out from TV. <laughs> uh, how much do you think Jerry Springer made at his peak? Man, that's a really good question. I Man, at the peak of Jerry Springer's show, I'm probably undershooting this. I'm going to go $30 million. Now you're 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 thinking about today's money. Remember, he was making money back in the nineties, two thousand. See, he probably peaked in the right around the two thousands, or maybe a little bit earlier. So his money wasn't that long. What was it? Eight million. God, that's it. Okay. Well, I mean, and you're right. I mean, twenty five years ago, eight million is probably like a hundred million today. But oh, you know what? Yeah. That's crazy, man. His net worth, I mean, it depends on where you look. Forbes says that it, his net worth when he passed was $96 million. Not bad, huh? Not, Not bad. bad at all for a dude who was a mayor of a major city and then had a trash talk show with the weirdest topics of all time. Like, you know what? It used to be that some of those articles the New York Post puts out used to be Jerry Springer TV show episodes. <laughs> Seriously, I saw, I read an article the other day. This is, I swear to you, this is a real article. It was, the headline of it was, we're conjoined twins and share a vagina, but only one of us has a boyfriend. <laughs> and I immediately thought, that's a Jerry Springer TV show right there. Jeez. And it was a true story, man. It was a, a set of conjoined twins, two girls, and one of them had a boyfriend. And I mean, it was the, and she said that they hadn't been intimate yet or anything, but it was, I mean, just the weirdest thing. 
And the guy's like totally in love with one of the conjoined twins. I was like, man, how does this work? Like he don't like the other one. They get along. They said. <laughs> In part, no, this is a trip, dude. Like a part of it, because they're like in their early 20s. A part of it is the one girl that he is with falls asleep before the other one. So when he spends the night, he ends up staying up talking to the other one because the girl he's dating is falling asleep. I didn't stop it, man. I'm just saying, I don't know what to do. I, I mean, don't can know. You just, imagine, can you imagine making love to the one and she goes and, and the other one's upset or jealous? She's like, you aren't doing anything over there. She's faking it. I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do. I, I wonder that, like, do they both feel it? It, it? I mean, if they share one, do they both feel the sensations? Do they both have erogenous? I, I don't know how it works. I don't. It's Bruh. and the article didn't say. And I don't know, man. That's that was just wild. But the no. one, the one twin did say because they like to see each other a lot and spend a lot of time together that she lets the the single conjoined twin. She gets to choose what they do so that she'll be enjoying the date that they're on since she obviously has to go with them. <laughs> it's a trip, man. I'm telling you. It's a trip, but uh, wow. And so the other celebrity who passed away, and this was on Monday at the age of 84, and another one that I'm sure everybody is familiar with, if nothing else, you know his music, and that is Gordon Lightfoot, who passed away. And he had some songs Ooh. that apparently were very popular. <laughs> like what? I'm trying to think. Because I'm unfamiliar with Gordon Lightfoot. He had The Wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald, Sundown, it says. I know the name. He found success in the 1970s with the song, If You Could Read My Mind. He had a ballad yeah. called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which reached number two on the Billboard charts in 1976. Other hits included Carefree Highway. Uh, let's see. Um, I don't think I can sing you one, man. I So I don't know what to tell yeah, you. The beauty of Apple Music is you can go right there. And uh, I guess he's and like a folk a dude. Okay, I know this song. All right, so there you go. See, you know Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah, okay, I know this song. All right, you got him. That's great. Okay, that's the beauty of Apple Music. I mean, he put out several, several, several albums, so. Now if I can figure out how to turn this off, that'd be great. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Gordon Lightfoot, 84 years old. All right, he had a good run. Yeah, mid-80s, when you're born back that far ago, when you're born in the 1940s and you're making it to the mid-80s, I'd say, yeah, I'd say that's about, that's better that you're, you probably birdied the course. You shot under par for the course. Yeah, shoot. That's, uh, that's everybody my age, that's their parents now. Yeah, man, that's, that's <laughs> kind of how it is. They're still rocking. Exactly. Almost everybody my age, their parents were born probably between 40 and 45, 46. Yeah, makes sense. And then getting into the, into the mid-80s, you're doing it right if you're doing it then. You're also doing it right if you make your way to Freeway Tire Shop. Of course, we tell you about these guys all the time. You need an oil change. You need a state inspection. We all got to buy tires at some point. It's that stuff about cars that drives us nuts. We know we're going to have to do it. So the fact that you have to have a mechanic probably, what, two, three times a year minimum? Minimum? minimum. You might want a mechanic that you trust, that you know stands behind his work, that offers you a fair price, that you don't stress about dropping your car off with. And that's why we have found for you Freeway Tire Shop. 
as Jacques continues trying to figure out how to turn off his music. Bro, I, <laughs> if you could see me, you'd really be falling down. That's awesome. God. <laughs> nah, man. The thing about Freeway Tire and the thing about JR is uh, the trust factor, man. For me, that's huge out of mechanic. I didn't grow up uh, with my dad in Dallas, and so I don't know anything about cars. Even my uncles who could fix cars, grew up in Nashville. So there's nobody around to teach me about cars, bro. So I know the very basic of basics. Outside of that, man, I got to rely on mechanics. So I, I, I'll always look for guys I can trust. Guys like JR who you can trust to diagnose what the heck is wrong with the car. And then, you know, uh, I trust him to use quality parts to fix the car because not everybody does. And then again, I trust him to charge me a fair price because we all know mechanics don't do that on the regular. And then, man, I trust him to do what? Stand behind his work. So if you find a mechanic who does all of those things, then, dude, stay with him. But if your mechanic doesn't, then trust me. Go up the street, up 35 north toward Denton. Get off of Commonwealth. Go through the light. Look to the right. There he is, freeway tire. Stop in. Tell him the boys from Jam Session sent you, and you will be thrilled that you did. There it is, man. Freeway tire shop. Doesn't get any better than that. We found the mechanic you can trust. So check them out. And while you're at Freeway, drop off your car, head on around the corner to Smokey John's Barbecue. What's great about this, you guys got about a week. Because keep in mind, Mother's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks, less than a couple of weeks. Smokey John's is offering their, they call it the Mama's Tired of Cooking Pack. Your last day to order this is going to be Wednesday, May 10th. So you got about a, a week or so to order this. But everybody has Mother's Day gatherings. We all have Mother's Day gatherings. This is two pounds of brisket, one full slab of ribs, one whole chicken, two half-gallon sides, a gallon of Smokey John's sweet tea or lemonade. It comes with the rolls, the barbecue sauce, all of that. All, I mean, you talk about feeding your Mother's Day party. All of that from Smokey John's for only $170. That's why Smokey John's Smokey John's, man. That sounds like a heck of a deal. And I saw Brent uh, and Marcus from Smokey John's this weekend at Von Miller Day and uh, had a little bit of food out there, just a little bit, and it was fantastic. Um, but if you roll through there, if you don't want to get that, if you were looking for something a little smaller, go with the Jam Session Bowl. Now, check this out. Check this out. You ain't going to find it on the menu, okay? Just ask for it. Tell them I said you want the Jam Session Bowl. Say, JJT said something about a Jam Session Bowl. And they'll start smiling and hook you up. And what you'll get for that is you get to pick, you get to make a lot of choices on the jam session bowl, man. Do you, do you want mac and cheese or do you want mashed potatoes for the base? Uh, which two of the five smoked meats do you want? Brisket, sausage, I don't know, chicken, I don't know. Take your pick. I rock with the brisket and the sausage. And then all the stuff that comes out of the baked potato, loaded baked potato. Take your pick, man. Chives, mm -hmm. bacon bits, sour cream, butter, the works. And then they throw the sauce on there. Now, if you like Matt, you want it just drenched in sauce? That's cool. If you want me, you drink it out the bottle. Well, not really. Matt does that too. But hey, um, it's all delicious. No matter how you do it, it's a jam session bowl. Order it up. And hey, it feeds two, maybe three if you got a little shorty. But the jam session bowl, you cannot, will not go wrong with it. You're exactly right. What's great, Juan sent me an email. He said the jam session bowl has become a hit. Folks order it based on seeing people in line and it's funny because obviously they will order it and then like hey what what is that and then they want it also jam session listeners 
If you order the sauce and rub online, you can get a limited edition Smokey John's pen and a coupon for buy one, get one half off in the restaurant. But when you order it, just indicate you're a listener of the show in the notes and they will get you taken care of when you make it over to the store. So a lot of Smokey John's offering you a lot of great stuff. And I love this because they coined the term, they call the jam session listeners that come in. I don't know why we never thought of this, jam fans. Hey, I like that. Jam fans, like man. The Maybe jam we'll session start. bowl for jam fans. I love that. Dude, we'll just start using it now. Yeah, so all you jam fans, get out to Smokey John's and support those guys because they're awesome. Bro, yeah. So before we wrap it up, we got to throw out, it is round two for the Dallas Stars, the Western Conference semifinals. The Kraken did it. They knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, in seven games, winning game seven in Denver. And yes, the Stars are favored to win this series. The Stars are better on offense. The Stars are better in defense. The Stars are colossally better in goal. So was Colorado. Okay? Let's just throw that out there. Colorado was heavily favored and a much better team all across the ice than Seattle was. And Seattle took them down in seven games. I will say I do love this because they'll play tonight as we record this on Tuesday. The Stars have had three full days of rest. The Kraken just played an insanely physical seven-game series that wrapped up late Sunday night, flew to Dallas, had one day off, and will get ready to go tonight. So you would think, at least in game one, early in the series, Dallas will have fresher legs and might have an advantage. One, you're at home, and two, you've had some time to rest up for a couple of days that has not been afforded to the other team. Um, I think that's. Uh, I think this is a game that they need to win for all the reasons you just mentioned. Plus, um, you know, home ice has not really been a big deal in the playoffs. I think home teams are like eighteen and thirty-one, so it's not been a big deal. But you know me, man. I believe these series are all built on uh, confidence and belief, and so you want to set the tone early that yo, I don't care what you did against Colorado, that shit ain't working here. And the way you do it is you come out. You, you attack the series, and you go get it, and you win. They're the more talented team, uh, but we all know winning is uh, winning series, winning in the playoffs is not always about talent. It's about grit and grind, and uh, anything you read about Seattle says they are a grit and grind team, mm-hmm. and so you have to uh, you have to meet them where they're at and play that style and then let your own talent take over. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see because it looks like – Pavelski is going to be able to play and that they're going to throw him out on the second line and get him back into the swing of things. This is going to be really interesting because Colorado, or excuse me, Seattle has a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of star power. Dallas has star power and some depth. Colorado was missing one of their top three guys, oddly enough, Valeri Nikushkin, who, who used to be a Dallas star and did nothing with the stars and went to Colorado and has been one of their top three players. And, and we'll see. The Kraken made it really, really difficult for Colorado to generate scoring chances, especially in Game 7. Tyler Sagan's been playing phenomenal. Joe Pavelski is coming up. They get a lot of contributions from their top six here, but they also get guys on their third and fourth line that do a lot of things for them. Dallas's defense is phenomenal. And the way that Jake Ottinger has been playing in goal, I mean, he has just been... He's been elite. 
He's been absolutely elite. So this is one of those series that the Stars play the way that they are capable of playing and the way you expect them to play. They should win this series. If they don't, much like Colorado found out, Seattle is more than capable of taking them down. But this, yeah, I mean, this, think- this is an uphill battle for Seattle. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think uh, the Stars are the favorite. And Stars just need to come out and do what they do, man. If they do do what they do, they'll be good enough. Uh, even if it takes six, seven games. But uh, hopefully they can get rid of them in six, if not five. I hope so, man. And again, the fact that they've got home ice in this series, you've got another opportunity. You've get, you get four at your place if need be. I'd like to see them go out. You got to take advantage. I mean, Seattle's got to be tired coming off that series. They got absolutely no break. They get one day off and they're right back into a game one. Dallas needs to come out on Tuesday night, fly in, get out to a lead and get the early series lead in this. They need to tell Seattle, look, we're not Colorado and they need to do to Seattle what they did to Minnesota last couple of games, win it four to one tonight and never let it be a question in game one. You're the better team. No, exactly right. Exactly right. So we'll see, man, but I'm stoked about it. It just sucks that once again, the Stars get screwed with these because it's an 8.30 puck drop, which really means 8.50. It's ridiculous. I feel you on that, man. It's highly unfortunate. Or an early morning. Yeah, man, it just, it would be, it'd be really a lot nicer if they could just find a way to make these games a little bit earlier. I get it. I mean, at least in this one, they're, they're both not like against Minnesota. They were both central zone time. I mean, the puck's dropping at 6.50 in Seattle. So at least, I guess at least one of the audiences gets to hang around for this. I'm going to tell you straight up, man, I seriously doubt that I'm going to, if this game goes to overtime, there's no way I'm, I, I, just, I can't watch the overtime. There's just no way. No, nah, just tape it, catch it in the morning. So again, they'll play Thursday night, same time, Thursday night, 8.30 on TNT. And then I would assume Saturday night, although they haven't released the schedule yet. And Saturday, I'm going to be in Nashville at a Taylor Swift concert. So I'm probably not going to be able to watch game three, which is uh, unfortunate. But we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll be watching. I'll, I'll keep you in price. I'll see yeah. you text. Yeah, maybe I'll be sitting there at Nissan Stadium <laughs> in Nashville with it streaming on my phone. And she's like, what do you keep looking down at? I'm like, oh, this is a say, great don't song. Do <laughs> don't do that. No, you got to don't enjoy the experience. And Taylor yeah. Swift puts on an incredible concert. So I'm actually excited about going to the show. All right, that's what everybody says. Yeah, so we'll see. And then the other thing, man, how about what Florida did to Boston? Knocking off the Boston Bruins in overtime the other night. The team that set the record for most points, most wins in the NHL, had a plus 128 goal differential, which to show you how big of a deal that is in hockey, Boston led the league plus 128 in goal differential. The Stars were second at plus 67. Wow. That's how dominant Boston was. Up 3-1 in the series. Up 3-2 with a minute to go in Game 7 on home ice in Boston, and they lose the series. I need to go back and read some things on how that series flipped, how it turned. Uh, but I watched, the, uh, I watched the third period of the game. It was, a, it was riveting, back and forth, watched the overtime. So, I mean, it was fantastic. The goal in overtime was just – I mean, the Gorgeous. one that tied it up was sensational, and the one in overtime, like, dude. It's just gorgeous. I mean, I, like, how do you shoot? I mean, what's really, okay, he hit it from just above the red circle, and he hit it, like, upper 90, uh, which is, I mean, it's just insane to think you can shoot like that. But then if you go back and watch the whole play, you can see how he was at the front of the net, 
he saw the action taking place, and so he drifted right to that spot. Yeah. So that so that they could feed him. Excuse me, and he could get a uh, unencumbered shot off. Just a, I mean. The reality of it is, I don't care who you had in goal. That beats any goalie ever, all time. I mean, you cannot place a puck more perfect than the, the puck he shot to win that game. Nah, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> there was nothing you could do. And so now in our hockey playoffs, for those who may be curious, it's about as wide open as it can be because the defending cup champs Colorado gone in the first round and the team that most people thought would win the cup, the Boston Bruins gone in the first round. That means you got Florida, Toronto, the New Jersey Devils, the Carolina Hurricanes, Edmonton, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Seattle Kraken, and the Dallas Stars. One of those eight teams is winning the Stanley Cup. I'll tell you right now, man, the Stars got a great shot at this. They've got a great shot at this this year. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Edmonton is really, really, really good. Uh, You know. Vegas uh, is really good. I mean, Vegas led the way. They're the one seed for a reason, man, and – the Stars in Vegas, one of those two teams right now, would be the favorites to win the Cup. And, I, I mean, I look, if it's not going to be the Stars, I think it'd be badass for Toronto because they haven't won a Cup in forever. And they got to be looking at this going, holy hell, we get to avoid Boston. If it's, it, it is kind of like Denver over there in, in the NBA where you kind of look at yeah. it and go, man, Toronto, if, if you can't get it done this year, when's it going to happen for you? Yeah. For real. And this is a Toronto Maple Leafs team. I mean, man, they haven't played in the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm trying to remember when the last time was. It has been... I think it's like 66 or something, before I was born. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that they've played in the Stanley Cup Finals in my lifetime. And I know they haven't won a cup in my lifetime. Okay, yeah, so you go all the way back. They won the Stanley Cup in 1967, and that was the last time they won or played in a Stanley Cup. I got to tell you, that was a hell of a year now. (laughs) <laughs> that was a 12-letter cuss word, though. Oh, I'll take your word for it. Hey, I was here for all but four days of it. I remember it well. And there you go, man. I mean, that's... I seem to remember sitting on my dad's lap watching that game. That's something else. So, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool to see Toronto get it done just for that fan base. I think that'd be fun, but we'll see how it turns out. And that, my friends, is the Jam Session Podcast. We appreciate you guys. Support our sponsors. When you do that, it means the world to us. Enjoy the next couple of days, and we'll be back for another episode coming your way on Friday morning. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.